Well, hey, online family. Thank you for tuning in and joining us today. Uh, my name is Kurt, and I'm excited to uh, continue our series that we're calling Relationship Status. We're talking about relationships, not just uh, a marriage relationship, but, but all relationships. There's, there's a certain way that God wants us to live in our relationships that's really different than what the, the way the world would call us to live, or really different than the way the world uh, does relationships. And so I just got to be honest with you guys, man, relationships are, are hard, right? Like give me a thumbs up, give an amen in the chat or something like that if, if you agree with that. I mean, relationships are difficult. You see, what comes naturally to us is, is division and conflict and strife and arguing. Those things just come naturally. Maybe it's just me, but I got a feeling I'm not alone on that. It's, it's the sin, uh, it's the sin nature that we're born into. Um, we, we have pride, we have uh, egos, uh, we want everything to be about us, and it makes relationships really difficult. You know, we don't have to teach our kids um, to, to argue or, or disagree or be, be in conflict with people, right? It just comes naturally. You can ask any parents, most of you parents listening, uh, you didn't have to teach your kids to talk back to you or argue with you. Right, it just comes naturally. I remember um, uh, Marshall Peterson, you know, the guy who hosts, and uh, thanks a lot, Marshall, for the nice birthday picture, by the way, you gave me a couple weeks ago. But, but I remember Marshall used to take my son Carter to Mother's Day out here at the church, and he was probably three years old, and, and he, so he would ride with Marshall to the church, and um, they, were, they were driving one day right out here on Highway 90, and, and they, there was a train that was pulling all these UPS trucks, or it had all these UPS trucks on it. And so Marshall looks over at Carter in the back seat and says, Hey, Carter, what color are those trucks over there? And Carter looks at him and says, They're black. And Marshall says, No, no, Carter, they're brown. And he goes, No, they're black. And Marshall's like, No, Carter, they're brown. And Carter says, No, they're black. And Marshall says, look, Carter, the, the, the slogan, the, the, the motto for this company is, what can Brown do for you? And Carter says, yeah, they're black. And they start arguing, and Marshall's like, well, no, man, it's black. And, and, and Carter goes, I'm going to tell my dad. And Marshall's just like, whatever, Carter. And, and so I don't know who's worse in that scenario, Marshall or Carter, but, but the point is that, that arguing and conflict and strife just come naturally to us. It was interesting, I, this week I, I was looking up some articles and just doing some research on this, and I, I saw an article that said in, in the USA, our, our country, the United States of America, which has existed uh, since 1776, uh, we've only, so that's 246 years, and out of those 246 years, there's only been, one article said 15, another article said 17, but 15 to 17 years of peace out of the 246 years that our country's been around. That includes all kinds of wars and conflicts on our own soil or foreign soil, whatever. But there's only been seven, uh, 15 to 17 years of peace. That's like six to 7% of the time that our country has been a nation that we have not been in conflict. It comes natural. Some of you are like, yeah, man. I've been married for 20 years and I don't think I'm six, I had 6% of peace the whole day. You know, I get it. I get it. It's hard. But what if there's a different way? What if there's a different way? Last week, Kenny said that Satan's number one goal for our relationships is to divide them. I wrote that down. I, I, it, was, it, it stuck out to me. Satan's number one goal for our relationships is to cause division. And he's good at it. 
Conflict and division are common, but there's a better way. And as we know and follow Jesus, as we get to know him more, and as we continue to follow him, he teaches us the better way. And I would say this, that God's goal for our relationships is peace. If Satan's goal is division, God's goal for our relationships is peace. Listen to what Paul writes in a letter that he's writing to the Christians in Rome about how we should relate with one another. Listen to what he says. This is Romans 12, 16 through 18. He says this, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I love that. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You know what he's challenging us to do? To do all that we can in our power to live at peace with everybody. That's God's desire for our relationships. It's his desire for your marriage relationship. It's his desire for your relationship with your kids, with your relationship with your neighbors, with your coworkers. It's, it's his desire for all of your relationships that you would live in peace with other people. Matter of fact, Jesus says it like this. He's, he's preaching um, to, to this uh, uh, group of people on a mountainside by the Sea of Galilee. And this is known as the, the Sermon on the Mountain. He says it like this in Matthew 5, 9. He says, blessed are the peacemakers. You see, what he's talking about here is the kingdom that he's ushering in, his kingdom, and how the citizens of his kingdom will, will, will live and, and the way he will transform them to live. And one of the characteristics he says that will define the, the, the people that follow him is that they're peacemakers. He says, for they will be called children of God. And I think it's interesting, he doesn't say blessed are the peacekeepers. He says blessed are the peacemakers. There's a call to pursue that peace, not just to keep the peace with the, the people that we're in good relationships with, but to pursue the peace to make peace with people that we might be in conflict with, with people that we don't like or people that are different than us. We pursue a peaceful relationship with them. It says, for when you do that, you'll be called children of God. You know why? Because you'll look like your father. You'll look like your heavenly father who's the God of peace. You'll be called, you'll be seen as the children of God. You see, conflict will come in a relationship, disagreements and arguments and division, they'll all come, but we're called, we're called to make peace. Where there's conflict, we're called to make peace and we're called to uh, live a life or pursue reconciliation. And that word simply means to make compatible. Reconciliation means to make compatible. It's this idea that, that there, there was a relationship or, or perhaps uh, something came in and, and divided this relationship and, and there's conflict and there's a division. And now these two things, are, these two people are no longer compatible. And reconciliation is the process of making those things compatible again. And you, you're thinking, well, what if, what, if people don't, what if people don't want to be reconciled? What if, what if people don't want me to pursue peace or pursue forgiveness, pursue the things that it causes um, um, that, that are required to pursue reconciliation? And my answer goes back to the verse I read to you, as, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. Do what you can do to be reconciled, to, to have your relationships with everybody reconciled, to be compatible. And what does this look like? 
And there's really two, there's really two things in, in, in seeking a life of reconciliation in your relationships. And the first one is this, that you would seek forgiveness from people that you hurt. This is probably the one you don't think about as much. But it's, it's the fact that you, you've hurt somebody, and we as, as followers of Christ are called to, to actively seek forgiveness from those people. Jesus says it like this in Matthew 5, 23 and 24. He says, so, so if you're presenting your sacrifice, and this is that same group of people, the, the, these would be Jewish people he's talking to on the side of this mountain by the Sea of Galilee. It's the same Sermon on the Mount that I referenced earlier. And he says this to him, if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Now, I grew up in church. I've, I've read the Sermon on the Mount. I've, I've, I've probably read it at least a hundred times. I've heard it. I've heard it preached. I, I never really paid much attention to this, this passage, to be honest with you. I never really understood how radical of a, of a command this was from Jesus. And I learned it this week as I, I was prepared for this message. You see, um, what, what Jesus is asking them to do, this is the Sea of Galilee and, and, and Jerusalem where the temple was, is, is, probably, is somewhere between 80 to 100 miles apart, depending on which route, the, which route people took. Okay, so he's speaking to people that live in the region of the Sea of Galilee. And he's saying, when you travel to Jerusalem and, and to go to Jerusalem to, to offer their sacrifices, they would pack up their family and they would go on foot. Okay, and maybe a donkey if they had one, but, but they were traveling on foot. They didn't have a car, right? I just uh, put it in my maps today and just to see how long it would take. And, and in these times, uh, when I put it in, it was like a two hour and 25 minute drive, right? But these people didn't have a car, okay? So they're walking this distance from the, the area of Galilee to Jerusalem to offer their sacrifices for their family. And so as they go, you know, it could take anywhere from five days to 10 days, depending on how slow they walked or how fast they walked, or if they had their cousin Larry who had a bad hip walking with them. I don't know. So it just depended how, you know, it could take a, 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 a varied amount of time, but it took a long time. It was a long trip. Okay, it was a long trip. It was a dangerous trip. Part of the, the, the road they would have to go on would be the road to Jericho, which is, is familiar if you know the story of uh, the Good Samaritan. When Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan, he, he, he talks about this road to Jericho, which was a road that, that was known to have uh, robbers. They would hide in the caves and the crevices of uh, they were they were beside this road, and they would come out and they would rob people and, and beat them up and sometimes kill them. So it was dangerous. It was a long trip. It was a dangerous trip. And they make this trip to Jerusalem, and then you, you can picture them standing in line. They, they have to buy the, 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 the sacrifice that they're going to make. They buy it there. They purchase it there. And then they stand in this line to, to offer their sacrifice as worship to God. And as they're standing in line, they remember, oh, something has some, uh, somebody has something against me. Somebody has something against me. And, and I'm going to be honest, like I, what I wish you would say is, oh, you, you realize somebody has something against you, uh, make your sacrifice, worship the Lord, and then go make it right. But that's not what Jesus says. That's not what he says. He says, if you realize that someone has something against you, he says, leave your sacrifice. Get out of line. Leave your sacrifice. Get your family. Get all your stuff. Take the long, dangerous journey back home. Make things right with that person. Reconcile with that person. Then come back and offer your sacrifice. 
That's crazy. Like, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you, okay? If I got to drive 10 minutes down the road to reconcile with somebody, I might make some excuses of why I can't do it. These people are taking a five to 10 day trip. It's dangerous. They got to pack up all their stuff. They got to go back home to reconcile and then come back to offer their sacrifice. That's a radical command that Jesus has given these people. They, they would have understood this, this crowd that he was speaking to. Their jaws would have dropped like, man, he's serious about this. Reconciliation is a big deal to God. Doing relationships his way is a big deal. He values peace and reconciliation. Now, there's two types of people I think that we wrong and, and, and two categories, I guess, um, that fit into this. People, people that we know we did something wrong to. Okay, we know we hurt them. We know we did something like maybe you got in an argument with your spouse and you said some things that 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 were mean and, and you know you need to go and ask for forgiveness from your spouse. Or, or maybe you have a neighbor and y'all were fighting over who was paying for the fence or you stopped parking in front of my house and, and you were you just got out of line with them and you know you you need to go and ask for forgiveness from those people. Or, or a business partner, and you had uh, some, some deal went sour, and, and your relationship uh, was fractured, and, and, and you know you need to go ask for, ask for forgiveness. So there's those times. And, and here's what I would say that, that for, for those instances, you go and you own it. You say, hey, I messed up. This is what I did. And, and you, you apologize. You say, I'm sorry for it. And then you ask them to forgive you. You say, Can you forgive, will you forgive me for, for hurting you for what I did to wrong you? And then if it's something that's ongoing, you stop doing it. That, that's the steps you should take. If you know you hurt somebody, those are the steps you could take to make things right, to, to seek reconciliation in that relationship. But then you have this other category. And this is one where, like, you know you hurt somebody, but you didn't really do anything. Or at least in your mind, you're like, I didn't even do anything. They just, they're just mad at me. Maybe it's a friend that you used to have, or, or maybe it's somebody that just misinterpreted some written communication, a text message, or something like that. You're like, man, they're blowing this thing out of proportion. I don't even know why they're mad at me. I'm not going to go apologize to them. But you know what? In the, in the story, Jesus doesn't say that, hey, if you remember that somebody has a legitimate uh, reason to be mad at you, he says, if you remember somebody has something against you, leave your sacrifice and go and make things right. You know what he's calling us to do? He's calling us to be the bigger person. He's calling us to be different. He's calling us to be more like him. That it doesn't matter what we think. It matters how that person feels. And they, they're hurt. And their hurt is real whether you think you did anything or not. And so you can go to that person in humility and just say, I'm sorry. And you can say, it's okay to say, hey, I, I didn't mean to hurt you. I didn't, I didn't mean to do anything intentionally, but I'm sorry. Will, will you forgive me for hurting you? I think about this. Think about if you did that in your marriage. Because I, I evaluate the arguments my wife and I get in. You know, we don't argue very often, but we never argue. Maybe once or twice in, in the 16 years we've been married. But, but I evaluate those arguments, and they're all her fault. I never do anything wrong. But, but, if I, but if I were to go to her and just say, hey, I'm sorry for hurting you, whether I thought that what I did justified her being hurt or not, if I would just be the bigger man, if I would just be the bigger person and say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that I hurt you. I, I didn't do it intentionally. I would never mean to hurt you. And then what if your spouse did the same thing? Well, I'm sorry for hurting you. Could you imagine your marriage? First of all, if you did that to your wife, guys, she'd probably fall out dead. And, and then you wouldn't be married anymore. But, but, but uh, imagine if both, both spouses did that. If both people lived that way. Imagine the marriage you would have. 
Imagine the friendships you would have if you applied that in your friendships. It's a radical claim. It's a radical call. It's a radical command by Jesus to, to do relationships differently, to pursue reconciliation. And then the next way we pursue peace, the next way we pursue this reconciliation in our relationships is, is, is the more common one. And, and Kenny actually touched on this last week. Uh, but it's just to forgive people that have hurt you. And I, I know uh, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard a, a thousand messages on forgiveness. And you're probably ready to tune me out right now. And, and I, I would just encourage you to just, just keep listening. I don't, I don't know your situation. I, I don't know who hurt you. I don't know how bad they hurt you. And I know there's, there's definitely um, um, situations where people have been hurt uh, uh, in unspeakable ways. And I'm not trying to belittle that. But what I am going to challenge you with is, is, is you're still called to forgive those people. Now, reconciliation might not ever be possible. You might not ever have a relationship with those people that hurt you in a, in a, in a severe way. But, but you are called as a follower of Jesus to forgive those people. And I know it's hard. And I know, and I know you don't want to. And I know you're probably like, this guy doesn't know uh, me. He doesn't know my situation. I'm not going to listen to him. And, and all I'm doing is sharing with you what God's word says. And he calls us to forgive. Matter of fact, there's a story that kind of addresses this, and Jesus tells it in Matthew 18. In Matthew 18, uh, starting in verse 21, it says, Peter comes up to Jesus, and he asks him, he says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? And I could just imagine Peter, he's like, man, I'm finally getting this thing. You know, normally he'd be like, just one time or what, two times? But he says seven times, so he picks a number he thinks is a lot, and he's like, Jesus will like this one. Seven times, Jesus? And Jesus says, no, not seven times, Jesus replied. He said, but 70 times seven. Not seven times, but 70 times seven times. And it's not the exact math. The point is, just keep forgiving them. That's the point. Jesus says your forgiveness never, should never run out. You should always forgive them. He goes on to tell a story. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors who uh, was brought in who owed him millions of dollars, and he couldn't pay it, so his master ordered him that, ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me, and I will pay it all. And then his master was filled with pity for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant. Listen to this. He went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars and he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I'll pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset and they went to the king and told him everything that had happened. And then the king called in the man he had forgiven and said, you evil servant, listen, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Listen, 
When we remember how much we've been forgiven, it makes forgiving other people easier. It's never going to be easy. It's, it's never going to be something that we're going to be able to do in our own power. But with the power of God living inside of us, we are called to pursue forgiveness with those that have hurt us. I know it's challenging. But when we remember just how much God has forgiven us, it's going to make it easier. So listen to this. Listen in Romans. Paul does an awesome job of just describing how much we've been forgiven in God. He says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, this is Romans 5.1, therefore, we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've been justified. That means we've been made right. We've been made right with God through our faith. Um, we have peace with God. We've been reconciled with God now through Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 8. He says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still in our sin, while we were still um, living for ourselves, while we were still um, every bad choice you make, Jesus knew about it and he willingly went to the cross and died on the cross so we can have forgiveness, so we can be made right with God. In verse 9, it says, Since we have now been justified, we've been made right by Jesus' blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, listen, that's what we were. Before you know Jesus, you're an enemy of God. Not that he hates you, but he hates sin. And he hates the sin in your life and he can have nothing to do with it. It's not compatible with God. He's a holy God. He's a just God. He's not like us. And we're sinful people. And so there's a gap. There's conflict. There's a gap between us. We're not compatible. But Jesus laid down his life so that we could be reconciled, so that we could be made compatible with God. He paid the price. While we were still enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we now be saved through his life? It's beautiful. It's just a beautiful picture of how God has forgiven us. And my prayer for you today is that, that when you grasp that, when you understand that, that it will help you to forgive those that have hurt you in your life. No matter the pain, no matter what they've done. Compared to a holy God, we, we did so, we've done so much more. And yet he comes, steps in and makes a way and for our forgiveness. You know, in Kenny's message last week when he was talking about love, he, 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 he said that you can't, give, you can't give what you've never received. And I think that applies to forgiveness as well. You can't, you can't give forgiveness if you've never received forgiveness. And, and that's God's offer for anybody and everybody today. If you've never received it, it's a free offer. He says, you can freely receive my forgiveness through trusting in Jesus. And then after that, you can go offer it freely to other people because it's that good. And I was thinking, why, why, is, this, why is this so important? Like, why is it important that we, that we um, do relationships the way God intends us to? Why is it important that we listen and, and, and we, we say, all right, God's calling me to forgive. I need to go forgive. God's calling me to seek reconciliation with those I'm, I've hurt. I need to take that seriously and go do it. I th and I thought of two things, and the first one is this, that God doesn't want our empty praise. He wants our heart. He doesn't want our empty praise. He wants our obedience. He wants us to follow him. 
Listen how he says it in 1 Samuel 15, 22. It says, Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Just like the guy that's going to offer his gift at the altar and he remembers uh, that, that somebody has something against him, Jesus calls him to leave it there because he doesn't want the empty sacrifice. He doesn't want us to come to church on Sundays or, or listen online and, and worship and raise our hands, but not live our life for him and not want to obey him. Not that we'll always get it right, but, but we're pursuing a, a relationship with him as we're getting to know him and learning what it means to follow him. We're, we're learning to obey him, and that's what he wants, to live life the way he's called us to live it. He's not after your empty praise. He does love your praises. He does love when you worship him, when we worship him. But he wants us to worship him, not just with our words, but also with our lives through obedience. And then the second one is this. Why is it important? Is because we represent him. We represent him. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 20, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. He reconciled us to himself. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. There it is. We, we represent Jesus. And God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. You see, the most important relationship that we're reconciled to is our relationship with God. And as followers of Jesus, he's given us the task. He's given us the responsibility to be representatives of him. And so what is it going to look like if we're, we're inviting people into this reconciled relationship with God, but we're not, we're not offering the, them the same thing in our relationships with them? What kind of sense does that make? Like, do we have higher standards than a perfect and holy God? A God that chooses to step in and say, I want to forgive them. If they would, if they would turn to me and, and accept my gift of forgiveness, I will forgive them. And if we're, those, if we're the representatives of that forgiveness, but we're not willing to forgive them ourselves, what, what does that speak to them? That's a confusing message. And that's why it's important. That's why it's a big deal. Because God says, I want you to carry this message of reconciliation. And I want you to live it out to carry the message of reconciliation, that people can have this right relationship with me. And as you're doing that, I want you to live in right relationship with them. It's a challenging. I know it is. And as I wrap up, I, 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 I don't know what your response is. I don't know what the, the correct response for you is. Maybe when I was speaking about uh, somebody you've hurt that you need to go seek forgiveness from, maybe, maybe that's what it is for you. Maybe somebody came in your mind and immediately you knew what God wanted you to do. Maybe for you, you've been holding on to hurt for so long and you need to forgive the person that hurt you. Maybe that's your stuff. Maybe for you, you've never accepted the free gift of forgiveness that, that God offers through his son, Jesus. And I would encourage you to do that today just by surrendering your life to Jesus. 
And then maybe for you, 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 you maybe, maybe you're good with forgiveness right now, but, but you just need to, to remember the gospel. As I, as I was reading those verses in Romans or those verses in 2 Corinthians about how God, how God has made us right with him through Christ Jesus, maybe you just need to worship him and praise him today for that. Remind yourself of the good news of the gospel and live, be encouraged by it and live a life in response of it. Let me pray for us today. God, thank you for loving us. God, I thank you for the call on our lives to, to live different. God, I know it's hard. I know people are hurting and people are, um, have been mistreated and it's hard to offer forgiveness, God. But I pray that, God, you would just remind those people how much they've been forgiven in you. And God, give them the power and the grace and the strength to offer forgiveness to those that have hurt them. God, I pray that we would um, do whatever we need to do to live at peace with other people, God, that we would seek forgiveness from those we've hurt. God, that we would um, um, go out of our way, no matter the distance, that we would go out of our way to make things right. God, because you desire our relationships to be marked by peace. God, I pray for those that don't know you, that they would uh, know your love. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.